You're listening to the Midlife Mastery Podcast. My name is Peter Fritz, and this show is all about mastering your money, your time, and the best time of your life, your midlife, of course. Welcome back to the 43rd episode of the Midlife Mastery Podcast and the sixth in the Midlife Mentor Series, where I send a series of questions to various people who've mentored me over the last few years and ask them to share their insights on what it's like to be a midlifer. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Fizzle. Fizzle is an online training resource library uh, comprising predominantly video training sessions for indie entrepreneurs who want to create something that they actually enjoy, something that they care about. I discovered the guys at Fizzle, oh, I think it would have been late 2015, early 2016. Uh, I've been a member since then, and I've learned an enormous amount from these guys on how to actually create a business that is something that I would do for free, frankly, and how to put together all the pieces through their nine-stage roadmap towards building a sustainable business that uh, I actually enjoy. So if you'd like to try out Fizzle, uh, you can get a month for free just by going to midlifetribe.com slash fizzle. But today we're going to be talking to one of the most amazing people I've met over the last oh, 12 or 18 months. Laura Belgray is a copywriting genius and a real kick-ass businesswoman. She's based in New York City and she is responsible for some of the most successful uh, pieces on TV, business, and particularly with online entrepreneurs these days. She is a master at writing copy that converts and sells and that resonates with people in a way that uh, makes you really sit up and take notice. I started following Laura on Instagram, and I don't, I've been trying to think about this today. I, I still can't quite remember how I discovered Laura. Perhaps it was through her pal Marie Folio, who you might have heard of. But um, ever since I've been following her on Instagram and receiving her emails once a week, I've Loved every bit of content that's uh, that's come across my screen, and more often than not, as you'll discover uh, a little later on in this discussion, there've been times where I've just been stuck down this rabbit hole of fantastic, entertaining, clever content that Laura has produced. Um, so anyway, we're going to get uh, Laura's insight on what it's like to be a midlife entrepreneur. Now, I think Laura is very intimidating, probably in the same way that I imagine Michelle Michelle Obama is. She's a lot smarter than most, and yet disarmingly down to earth. I remember the first time I spoke to her, it actually felt wonderful to work with someone who's at the top of their game. Our conversation then, which was held over Skype, was punchy and productive, and seriously, barely a minute of it was wasted on superfluous chit-chat, and I'm thinking that's probably because I don't watch Real Housewives. At the time, I was preparing to launch this series, Midlife Mentors, and I needed some first-rate advice on my pitch to a couple of high-powered thought leaders. I put together these questions and a proposal to a number of people or to people that I wanted to send this to, and I really wanted to make absolutely sure that it was genuine, uh, it was on voice, that it was engaging, and that it would encourage them to engage with this project. And so far, it's been very successful, and I attribute a lot of that to Laura's initial input on this pitch and the questions and how they were structured. So when I sat with her, um, we were 10,000 miles apart and it really felt like I was perched on the arm of her sofa in her apartment in New York City. And through a series of thoughtful questions and firm suggestions, which is just the way I like it, her wisdom flowed and my copy started to shine. 
Now, I reckon there are very few people who can deliver creativity and nous on the fly like she does. But as many people will attest, Laura is something of a legend. I spend so much time on a laptop these days that I'd forgotten how to hold a pen and my hand, I remember, was struggling to make notes on my printed copy of the document that I'd prepared. Really, this is Laura's superpower and she wields it with the same confidence that Nusret Goche handles red meat. You've heard of Nusret. He's uh, Salt Bay. You've probably seen him on Instagram or that viral video on YouTube. Laura's headlines are works of art. Her tagline's super clever, and her copy is so engaging, you really, you can't look away. And her emails are dangerous. Many times, as I mentioned earlier, I've fallen down a rabbit hole of literary gorging, only to glance at the top of my screen and realise I've just lost an hour. As a veteran writer for some of the biggest names in television and business, she's mastered the black art of hooking you and holding you with nothing but words. If you've ever chortled at Joan Rivers or Ted Danson, Kathy Griffin or Kevin Hart, chances are you've sampled Laura's work. Her gal pal, Marie Folio, creator of Marie TV and B-School and another kick-ass entrepreneur, calls her pure genius and beyond amazing. Others say things like, my secret weapon, sharp, witty, hilarious, a word magician, and my favourite one, I almost cried. (laughs) It's little wonder that she's the darling of so many entrepreneurs. Her words sell. Not with P.T. Barnum chutzpah, but peer through the bedroom window insight, brutal honesty, and sheer relatability. Try reading one of Laura's weekly emails and see if you don't catch yourself saying, damn, I love this girl. I want to be a best friend forever. Or like me, damn, I hate this girl. I'll never be that good. Her writing is unlike anyone else's I've experienced. Scalpel sharp, New York confident, and dripping with humanness. Watch your step. It's quite remarkable for a talking shrimp. I'll get to that a little bit later. For a while, I thought I'd be forever consigned to licking the crumbs from her baking dish of genius. But then I discovered her life-changing course, The Copy Cure. The love child of Laura and Marie, it turns old world hackers like me into scribblers of promise. I'm still a bit awkward, think early morning pee if you're a man, but I'm learning to loosen up and get the job done. For those preferring a hands-on approach, and frankly who doesn't, Laura offers that too. She isn't cheap, but when you need the best, cheap is awfully subjective. And with packages like Kitty Cone, Power Hour, and the Pretty Woman Special, which is a full day for all you younger people, there's something for every card limit. You don't even need to do your hair or floss your teeth, pray Skype. Like Yoda with a ridiculous smile, it can't be real, it's too perfect. I love a smile like Laura's. Laura will stop you fumbling in the dark and help you to find your voice. She'll teach you, coach you, or she'll do the whole thing for you. I've enjoyed the first two options, but not the third. I'm more of a do-it-yourselfer. And the results have been remarkable. Effective copywriting is a bit like a great hairdo or a beautiful outfit. It's kind of hard to know why it works, but you instantly recognize that it does. Sure, writing the way you think and dispensing with all the facades is a big part of it, but there's more. Something eventually clicks, and from there on, well, it's just evolution. Laura is intimidating. She only takes client calls on Wednesdays. She creates unicorns with nothing more than her keyboard. And scariest of all, and why I think she's intimidating, is she shows us that we can do it all too. They say our greatest fear is the fear of success, or another Trump term if you're from this planet. And this is why I was afraid of Laura, I think. It's because she personifies what each of us could be. And that terrifies us. Like something you can't unsee once you've seen it, Laura's zone of genius is helping ordinary people like me recognize we can all be brilliant in our own unique way. We just need a guide to show us the way. 
Getting back to the name Talking Shrimp, Laura actually conceived it with her husband. He's a successful restaurateur. It covered everything but didn't really mean anything. Kind of like the Seinfeld show. But as she says, it was perfect for what she does. Copy that stands out. Because what stands out more than a shrimp that can talk, right? So anyway, let's peer through Laura's window and discover what makes this remarkable midlife a pop and lock. Um, She's a hip-hop dancer as well. I didn't mention that. And remind ourselves that our 40s, 50s and 60s really are the best times to reinvent ourselves. So as with the other midlife mentors, my first question was, of course, do you consider yourself middle-aged and how do you feel about this moniker? Laura says, I know that technically I am, and I know that it's how someone under 30 would perceive me, but I don't think of or refer to myself that way. I don't feel middle-aged. I just feel like, well, me. I then went on to ask her, is there something that you loved to do when you were young that you've since rediscovered and embraced in midlife? Laura says, I've been writing my entire career, but it's only since I started my blog that I've dug back into writing more prose-based stuff, as opposed to 30-second scripts, which is what I was doing in promos. I used to write just for fun when I was a kid. I'd get lost in it for hours. I'm happy to have rediscovered that pleasure. I've also discovered at around age 30 that I love to dance. The clue I ignored at age 11 was the two weeks in gym class during sixth grade that were devoted to square dancing. I rocked a doocy do, but I was so bad at other sports that it didn't occur to me I love dancing. The only kind of dance kids did year round was ballet, not of interest to me. There weren't hip hop classes back then. Also, if you did dance, you had to wear a leotard, which was frankly a deal breaker. I then asked Laura, Do you believe that middle age, say, you know, 40 to 65, is different today than what it was for your parents? And if so, how is it different? Laura says, Absolutely. Middle age for their generation was the time of life when you became supremely uncool and cut off from style, pop culture, and whatever kids were into. Now, thanks to the internet, there's way more of a blurring of generations. New music isn't just something a teenager blares in their room with the door shut. Their lingo isn't a secret. We all have access to whatever's going on. I asked her, what was the most challenging aspect of reaching middle age? What fears or concerns did you have? Laura says, my only fear is physical aging, something I have minimal control over. I use all the collagen-stimulating face creams, I try to sleep to a full eight hours, and I exercise like a bit of a fiend. But that's the best I can do. Something else I've asked each of the midlife mentors is, at the end of each year, what I do is I list the habits, the practices, and the beliefs that I'm going to say yes to and no to for the next year. So I asked Laura, as a mentor to other midlifers, what would be some of your yeses and nos? Laura reckons her yeses are read more books, delegate parts of my business that someone else can do, take on more of a leadership role in my industry and expand my audience, say yes to change instead of automatically saying no, finish writing my damn book, change my website to reflect my business pivot from copywriter to something bigger, we'll see, and wake up earlier, which means going to bed earlier. Sigh. (laughs) On her list of no's, she says, Checking social media every five seconds, like a tick. Toggling between tasks every five minutes, focus. Taking on little jobs that don't really interest me and which I'll resent. I can relate to that one. Uh, Responding to every little email and text as it comes in, like it's an emergency. It's not. Uh, Letting draining people drain me and then draining my friends by complaining about it. (laughs) Choosing to stay stuck in patterns that don't serve me and saying, I wish I could change that. Truth is, I can. My next question was, 
What's a tactic that you've used to gain more control over your life, such as a daily practice, a way of making decisions, or a filter through which you view people's behavior, or maybe something else? Laura says, raising my prices and shifting all clients to Wednesdays was one of them, and viewing my own behavior or misbehavior as a choice. I think that's a good one too. My next question was, what's a limiting belief that you've abandoned or reframed in the last 12 months? Laura says that I'm not a big fish in my industry. I felt behind like I was riding other people's coattails, and I was a little bit. I decided I'm just as much of a voice with just as much worth sharing as the people with the seven-figure businesses and the multi-six-figure lists. My next question was, what is your dominant cause of anxiety or frustration, and how do you deal with it? Money and time, money and time. I never feel like I have enough of either. I can relate to that one. Whenever I do have plenty of either, I fritter it away. I'm trying to throw everything at it, including methods I always rolled my eyes at, including tapping. Why not, right? (laughs) My next question was, how different are your feelings about midlife today versus when you first considered yourself middle-aged? Again, I never considered myself middle-aged, but I do see things differently from when I turned 40. Back then, I thought aging wouldn't happen to me, merely because it hadn't happened yet. There's a reason everyone posts those this is 40 selfies on their birthdays. 40 looks great. It doesn't look like 40, but 45 looks like 45. Also, while the gulf between 30 and 40 seemed enormous when I was 30, after 45 or so, I've seen 60 as a blip away. And I don't see 80-year-olds as old. I understand that I'll be there before I know it, and I won't feel it. I won't feel 60, I won't feel 70, I won't feel 80. I might feel 100. I can't imagine you can make it to that age and not feel it every time you try to get up from a chair. My next question was, did you suffer a midlife crisis of some kind? How did it show up for you and what helped you most to overcome it? Her answer? Nope. The biggest age crisis I felt was the mid-30s, I don't know if I want kids crisis. Once I decided that I didn't, it's been pretty smooth sailing. I love my marriage and the life we live together. It's happy and fulfilling. If this is what the rest of my life looks like, lucky me. Poo, poo, poo. That's the Yiddish version of Knockwood. I suppose there have been times when I felt burned out in my business and contemplated the daily relentlessness of it all, wondering, is this what the rest of my working life looks like? I think that's more of a mid-career crisis. But I'm finally figuring out how to reshape my business so it doesn't feel like that. I then went on to ask Laura, after 40, what event, decision or perceived risk was pivotal for you? And how did it manifest? And how did you respond to it? It's all been in my professional life. Speaking gigs give me huge anxiety and always feel risky. But the payoff is always huge, both in terms of prestige and the high of, I did it. Turning down work that pays fine but gets in the way of my bigger work, that's hard. I have a tough time turning down money and keeping my eye on the big picture. I'm working on it. I then asked, what book or books have you read or written that you'd recommend to someone over 40 who wants to reinvent their life and why? How have these books impacted your life? Laura says, I don't read those kinds of books if we're talking about instructive self-development stuff. Sometimes I pick them up at airports, but instead of reading them on the plane, I end up watching the seatback TV. I only get through fiction and narrative non-fiction. Great stories I've read don't necessarily change my life in a tangible way. They and their characters stick with me, which gives me memories just as if I'd had the experience. I can't articulate how that changes me. It's just a feeling. For people who want to write better... I recommend reading David Sedaris. I love his writing style. One of the last questions I asked Laura was, 
Many midlifers say they feel lost, unfulfilled, and shackled by circumstance, often much of their own making. What advice would you offer them? Laura says, You may think you're staying where you are for someone else's sake, people to support financially, someone you don't want to hurt or disappoint. But in the long run, if you're not happy with who you are and what you do, you're not much use to anyone else. If it's failure you're afraid of, ask yourself whether you'd A, rather have tried and failed, or B, spent every single day of your life with the same loop of thoughts in your head about what you really want to be doing and why you're not. If you don't try, prepare to settle for option B. Finally, for my fellow skeptics, be open to trying something new, something you've rolled your eyes at, maybe something new agey or hokey sounding. You can say that stuff doesn't work and stay the same, or you can give it a shot and see if it changes something. And my second last question to Laura is, what advice would you give to a midlifer who believes they're stuck on a certain path and should really just accept it? Laura says, accepting it means accepting it, not deciding that it has to be this way and and complaining about it. You can't accept something and feel disgruntled about it at the same time. It's one or the other. If you don't accept it, then reject it with action. If you don't know what path you want to be on, start trying and learning new things. Travel to new places. Meet new people. Even on the path to a new path is, well, a new path. It feels good to be on one. And my last question. Can you think of a way you've surprised yourself at an age where most people feel set in their ways? Laura says, I've always thought of myself as I am what I am kind of person, a lazy, chronically late, disorganized hot mess. I haven't conquered all those things, but creating a few simple habits in my mid-adulthood, ah, that's what I'm going to call it, has changed my whole perception of myself. They are making the bed every day before there was some sort of TED talk or a book about it, and unpacking my suitcase the second I come home from a trip instead of leaving it out for weeks on end. I picked that trick up from my husband. Total game changer. So to say Laura's work transformed mine doesn't really say enough. Type A nitwits like me have a propensity to overanalyze and overstudy as if there'll be a test afterwards. Reading Laura's emails have been instructional enough, a bit like Cole Trickle in Days of Thunder learning to drive NASCAR by watching ESPN. But like steering a car through a bank turn at 200 miles an hour, there's only so much you can glean through observation. Thanks to Laura's brilliant courses and our value-packed Skype session together, I probably learned more about writing in six hours than in the preceding six years. And I'm not kidding. She's that good. Today, more than ever, businesses depend on quality engagement to sell their products and their services. And it all begins with words, with conversation, with copy. And on this, Laura is a master teacher and practitioner. I mentioned earlier that she's not cheap, and at the time of this podcast, $950 an hour. But I truly believe when you buy cheap, you buy twice. Thankfully, her Copy Cure course and also her 60-minute makeovers course are genuinely cheap for what they offer. So for anyone who's serious about leveling up their game, there's really no excuse. If you're building a business and you want to imbue your copy with authenticity and saleability, there's no one better to teach you than Laura. She is, quite simply, the best. And that wraps up this session of the Midlife Mastery Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, you'll find the corresponding blog post for this over at midlifetribe.com slash 43. Actually, I don't think I mentioned it, so I'm mentioning it now. Um, so that's midlifetribe.com slash 43. Uh, there you'll find um, all of the links to Laura's courses that I've mentioned, along with her website, um, her Instagram account, which you've got to follow. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. Um 
I highly recommend that you get her Five Secrets to Non-Sucky copy. Um, it's a free download over at her website, TalkingShrimp.com, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and while you're there, I'm sure that you're going to want more. Um, her 60-second makeovers course um, is, I think, $99 US, and it's incredibly value-packed. It is so practical and so useful, and it immediately shows you before and afters of how people have presented themselves online and the transformation after she's had a stab at it. And you'll just look at that stuff and go, wow, I need to learn this stuff. Copy makes such a huge difference. Apart from imagery, it is the first thing we see. Headlines are incredibly important. Taglines, incredibly important. And the way you engage your audience with words are critical nowadays to communicating who you are, how you fit into the rest of the market, and whether or not you are the right person for the people that you're hoping to attract. Copy is everything. So I'm still learning. Obviously, I've got a lot to learn. I've been scratching away for a few years. And really, I've made the greatest progress, I think, in the last year. And it's all thanks to Laura. It really is. So I very much encourage that you go and learn more about what she does, who she is, and what she offers over at TalkingShrimp.com. Also, uh, I mentioned this on most episodes. If you don't already have a copy for yourself, I wrote a 60-page guide a while ago called 15 Ideas for Midlife Mastery. It is, as the title suggests, contains 15 different ideas for mastering your midlife. Uh, I've had some fantastic reviews on this uh, on this guide. I think you'll love it. It's very practical. It's very attractively put together. It's a landscape format, perfect for an iPad. Just go to midlifetribe.com slash 15 ideas and you can get that for free. Anyway, I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in and here's to mastering your midlife. See you next week. Bye-bye.